WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW, AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Paul. Here I am, in the Midwest. I'm in the Midwest, too. deep dish pizza and and lots of beer. Yep. (laughs) Good stuff. And also, awesome cinnamon rolls. Yes. That we just had today from this restaurant in Sather's. Yes, phenomenal Swedish restaurant on the north end of Chicago. Yep, so this week we don't have a lot of wrestling to talk about, but we do have a really fascinating Cobra Kai discussion that I had with Glenn Rubenstein and also Raj Giri from Wrestling Inc., of course. We all three got together, discussed, and reviewed Cobra Kai Season 2, and we also compared it to wrestling. So you might think, this has nothing to do with wrestling, but it does. We, we made it connect back to it because I think wrestling and pop culture go hand in hand and we talk a lot about that and the show itself in general in our upcoming discussion which we'll play for you in a minute but we just we really haven't gotten a chance to watch as much as we would want yeah i mean uh, your discussion's interesting like you said it is wrestling related in some forms because uh you know you even make a punishment martinez comparison and reference during the uh, episode so definitely worth checking out but yeah we've had a crazy schedule uh, I've been uh, crazy work up here in the Midwest, and uh, you went to your first Cubs game today. It was so much fun. <laughs> I might be a Cubs fan now. I really liked it a lot. Yeah, she really liked her first trip to Wrigley Field. So, cool. yeah, we've been crazy busy. I, I mean, I, I'm not ashamed to admit I've not seen Raw or SmackDown. Me neither. We haven't finished New Japan's uh, uh, final event at, at Dontaku. Uh, it's just been a crazy week. But we promise next week we're going to go full bore again. In fact, we are in the Midwest this week on top of all the work and fun we're having. We're uh, going to two ROH uh, War of the Worlds shows. We're going to drive up to Grand Rapids on Saturday and then back here in the suburbs of Chicago. And we'll be reviewing both of those shows next week. Yep, we'll give you our firsthand experiences, all the details that you want to know. And I can't wait to go to both of those shows. Really eager to see all my favorite ROH guys. Because a lot of people don't talk about ROH, but we do. And that's something I'm really proud of, i got to say. Um, so hopefully there'll be a lot of cool things that will transpire. Only time will tell. But now, let me throw it to Glenn, Raj, and I as we discuss Cobra Kai. And just a reminder, if you have not seen Season 2 or any of Cobra Kai, this discussion does contain spoilers, so beware and stop watching now if you have not seen the show. Stop listening now if you haven't seen the show. So please uh, take a listen. Here's what we had to say. Thank you. Okay, I'm joined again by Raj and Glenn, and we're going to be talking about Cobra Kai as we did last week. Well, we actually had so much to talk about, it couldn't be contained in one episode of analysis. So we're doing a second parter right now. And tell me a little bit more about you guys' thoughts about the whole season two of Cobra Kai. Well, it's funny, you know, we we were just, uh, we were talking about if there's going to be a season three and how, you know, we thought there was. And then pretty much as soon as we got done recording, they announced season three. Um, so that's a relief. I love that show. Um, I, you know... I, I overall, I thought it was one of my favorite. Uh, this is one of my top five favorite shows of like the last 10 years, I think. Easy. That's yeah. a strong statement for sure. I mean, but I agree. What do you think, Glenn? I mean, it's really, really good. I think season two has the unenviable position of following season one, which was damn near perfect. Um, I think season two, uh, I like that they took sort of an Empire Strikes Back ending to it. Um, Definitely, this is a middle chapter in the story, which is always tough to satisfy people with, right? Because it's not the beginning, it's not the end. Um, But that being said, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite things this year. There were a couple episodes where, again, we talked about this before, you really had to remember Karate Kid 3 to make it seem plausible the weight of it um there were times when my wife was saying like yeah but do we really you know who knew running a dojo was so hard uh there were some times when it was a little tedious i think the strain on the plot but overall i would give this an a minus for a season yeah i thought the like earlier on in the season i was uh 
I find my I found myself not as into it as the first season, like probably around the third and fourth episodes, kind of when uh, Daniel's starting stuff up and, you know, they're doing the the balancing stuff on the, the wood. Uh, you know, I, I, I was I mean, I thought it was still good, but I was like, ah, this this isn't quite living up to the first season. But then I thought it picked up a lot. And, uh, you know, with the original Cobra Kai re- re- reuniting and all this other stuff that I thought it, it really picked up and, and more than made up for it. But I, I agree kind of with the movies, uh, the same thing with the movies. The first was superior, but the second was still really damn good. And I know, Raj, we talked about not only the first and second movies, but Glenn talked a lot about last week about Karate Kid 3. And I actually went back and rewatched it last night. <laughs> so it's completely fresh in my mind. Yeah. Actually, I flip and loved it, I gotta say. The uh, cheesiness, I know Raj, you're not a, the biggest fan of it, but the yeah. cheesiness, I embraced it. And actually I found a lot of things that mirrored it in Cobra Kai season two. And I don't think in a bad way either. Yeah. It really... It fleshes out Kreese's character so much because the cartooniness for Kreese was just amped up to another level in Karate Kid 3. And I'm really thinking after rewatching the movie, because I literally had hardly any memory of it. Now that it's fresh, I really think we're going to see Silver. And I want to see it, honestly. <laughs> I know it could it could fall into the realm of too corny, but what I think Cobra Kai as a whole has done so well is balance the corniness with realism. Because the the over the top stuff i think that's that's 80s that's what the 80s was that's what the original movie series had little touches of and they do it they pay homage to it without going over the top and extreme with it in my opinion but i know other people can disagree yeah like if someone were to tell me like this season was going to have the original cobra kai's riding motorcycles together i'd be like oh that sounds so cheesy but the way it was done was great um so yeah, I think you could bring people back. You could bring you could bring people back from part two. You know, chosen and and uh, Sato. I don't know if he's uh, still kicking, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I think uh, you know bringing Terry Silver back. Yeah, that that could work. But just the, my thing with the third, and it's kind of like how WWE books baby faces. Is Daniel is kind of unlikable the first half of the movie. Um, then when he comes around, he still gets his ass kicked and he wins on a technicality, doesn't get the girl. I, I just thought he looked really weak in this movie. As yeah, a no, you know, I think uh, it's interesting. One thing you have to do with the current series, but you don't even realize you're doing it, is I think there's a suspension of disbelief that isn't it weird these guys are going through their this stuff and their characters are supposed to be in their 50s now. I feel like if they'd set the series 10 years ago, maybe it would make a little bit more sense. Not that it ever really took me out of it, but I know I share this fact all the time. Ralph Macchio is now older than Pat Morita was as Mr. Miyagi uh, when they were filming Karate Kid 1 or 2. So what? I mean, I yeah, five years older at yeah. the start of Cobra Kai than Pat was when they released Karate Kid. That is insane. Yeah, that is crazy. Being 50 years old, 50 plus isn't what it used to be. I mean, I watch a lot of old media from the 80s and I see people in their late 20s and 30s that I think look damn near retirement. So uh, I think that aging is different now. But yeah, it is kind of weird that Johnny and Daniel both had children late in life. All these guys are going through these things, you know, as they're approaching retirement age. But it never took me out of the series, except occasionally when I would just think that and say, this is kind of weird. There were times when they, they the old men were fighting where it, it, it they looked their age, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the they had a Daniel Johnny fight in the season, which uh, I was still into it. I thought it was great. But, it, you know, as far as action goes, it, they didn't look like world beaters by any means or the crease uh, Johnny fight. I mean, it was oh, uh, creases in his 70s now. I mean, but right. he's, for that, he looks great. Right. I mean, right, I right, mean right. yeah. Yeah. But it was that fight looked like it was in slow motion. But it uh as far as the story went it fit in um yeah, they probably could have kept it a little shorter but i you know it's it's kind of nitpicking but overall in the arc of things i thought it was great a you shout know, out oh i'm sorry you know it worries me a little bit when johnny and daniel had their interactions because we keep getting the tease of the big fight which obviously is eventually going to happen full on so i'm afraid when they have that full on fight that it won't that. look as good i, I mean i'm guessing is. You don't think it'll ever happen? No, I think Johnny and uh, Machio join forces next season. Well, I mean, I think they'll join forces, but I think we're going to see a Rocky three type of situation, (laughs) just like they teased. I think they're going to deliver it, but maybe they'll deliver it just like in Rocky, where they just show them about to spar, but they freeze frame, (laughs) you know, epically and cheesily. But maybe we won't ever see it. You're right. That is another take that I didn't really think about, but I'm just thinking people want it. 
So they're going to find oh, yeah. some way, whether it's friendly or not, to deliver it. Be a great way to kick off season three, the way we saw the Crease and Johnny fight at the beginning of season two. I mean, these guys have to link up for uh, season three for the plot to go in the direction people think it's going to. So I think it makes sense. Uh, one thing I was going to say, uh, Cameo, I didn't even realize my first time through because it looks like she hasn't aged a day. On the second time, you notice who's playing Aisha's mom in the episode at the country club was uh, Kim Fields, 2D from Facts of Life. What? Who, uh, really? Yeah. Who I went on Twitter. It turns out she was a huge fan of season one. They shoot the show in Atlanta. She lives in Atlanta. She was on Real Housewives of Atlanta. And so she was able to make that cameo happen. Uh, but I've, for me, that took me out. So I was like, is that Kim Fields? <laughs> um, she's hardly aged at all. I used to have a crush on Kim Fields when I was a kid. No. Yeah, who didn't? Uh, yeah, no, I was, I was always a Joe kind of guy when it came to facts of life. Uh, oh, the facts of life. Why haven't they rebooted? Remember, man, it was a sad day era. when Mrs. Garrett died. Absolutely. Uh, why haven't they rebooted facts of life? That seems prime. Uh, it's coming. They may. Yeah, they very well may. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but and that's the thing. I think as far as reboots go, Cobra Kai really sets the gold standard, right? I mean, and Creed, is, if you, if you yeah. can count that. Yeah. Creed's great too, yeah. Absolutely. I think both of those have done such a good job of how you continue the past while telling new stories. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking like other 80s movies you could do that with, like, you know, Back to the Future or Lethal Weapon and all these series where you could kind of move it on to the next generation, kind of take that that plot and hand it out while, you know, keeping the original cast. Best one is Goonies. I think Goonies is prime for that treatment. That's been teased <laughs> on and off. Gosh, I'm just so tired of getting my hoops up for a Goonies reboot. I would yeah. die for that. A movie Raj has never seen still. We've what? been talking about this for now, years. I know I won't like it, so this, I'm not even going to try. This is sad. Oh Anytime I watch an 80s movie now that I haven't seen, I think it sucks. I this watched... is such a sad thing. Uh, Raj, I'm disappointed. I, <laughs> I watched Cloak and Dagger last night for the first time with Henry Thomas and Dabney Coleman. Um, I never seen that from the eighties before, and I was like, okay, this this was a pleasant movie. It was cute. I get why kids like this. Never heard of it. Really? Yeah. Where it's like his imaginary friend in the video game and the whole thing. I've never heard of it either. So Henry Thomas made this after. Is e. that E.T.? He made yeah. He made it after E.T. and Dabney Coleman, oh, his dad, and his imaginary friend Jack Flack. It's a whole thing. Uh, it was it was pleasant. It was cute. So I'm with you, Raj. That sometimes I see things and I have to say, well, at the time I understand why this was popular, right. but I'm telling you, Goonies is legitimately. Uh, every time I watch it, I mean, it just. I have yet to find fault with it. It's legitimately a great movie. It's a yeah. feel-good movie. It's something that really speaks to your childhood innocence. I think that's why it works even watching or re-watching as an adult. You may like it, Raj. I don't know. I mean, because I, if you take me into account, I was born in 89, so I didn't see any of these movies <laughs> in the 80s. I'm watching them from like a 90s kid perspective, and I still love them. Yeah. Um, and I really think that there's something to really attach to with these types of things. Like even The Karate Kid, totally not my generation, but there's a lot of themes in the movie that I think yeah. are still relevant today. And I think are still awesome today. If you push aside all the, the eighties references and the eighties cheesiness, I think there's still the core of a great story of a wrestling underdog story. Like you referenced Raj. Uh, let's talk about suspension of disbelief. Like Glenn mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, suspension of disbelief. You've got to do that and have that when you're watching wrestling, there's all kinds of, different types of characters and types of story in wrestling, including the over-the-top cartoony types of villains, which for a period of time worked, but surely does not work now. But what does work now is characters that have a sense of realism, but amp it up. Everyone always says the best wrestling characters are people playing themselves, but amped up to 100 or to 105 or whatever, more so than the, their normal selves. So I think if you look at Cobra Kai like that, it's based in realism, but a lot of the story and the elements of the characters are amped up to a to another level to where it is a little more uh, cartoony, but it still works because it still has its roots in realism, in my well, opinion. And just like with wrestling, you've got to suspend your disbelief. And I think it's easy to do that. Kelsey, it's so funny on the Wrestling Inc. podcast, Raj and I were talking about this and Matt Morgan looked at us with disbelief. He's like, why are you going on about this? I was like, Matt, trust me, you'll watch it, you like it. Matt loves it. I'm like, yeah, dude, because Johnny Lawrence should be so relatable to you. Like, that's why you're going to love this. Like, yes. You're going to get this. You know, it's like that bit of realism. That's what people relate to, you know, and they get. And I think that's why the series has been so popular, because so many people went one of two ways. Either they had the Daniel experience and growing up and things went well, but they uh, feel that maybe they've lost a little something in their step. Or they have the Johnny experience where they feel like they peaked. Or maybe they had neither and they wish they'd had either of them. And that's something that they tune in for. But I'm surprised universally, I've yet to really see anyone that disliked this show. And that's yeah. rare. Yeah, 
I mean, this Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, those are like three shows that people that have actually sat and watched, you know, Game of Thrones, I know, like my wife never got into it. She watched one episode and I was telling her, you need to watch like three in a row, four in a row. Um, but for the people that have, like it gave it a real shot. That Breaking Bad and this show are the three shows I could think of that I cannot think of anyone saying anything negative about. Wow. But I don't know. Game of Thrones Recently. is a little violent and a little rapey for my taste. Game of Thrones isn't really my taste either. I gave it a try and didn't like it. But Breaking Bad, one of the best shows of all time. Definitely in Absolutely. my top five of all time. Everything is so well done. Much like Cobra Kai, of course, the, the overarching story is there and the long-term storytelling is there. And we not only talked about character last week, but we talked about storytelling and how Cobra Kai did that right. But we also talked about how wrestling could use a little bit of that, a little shot of that into it, at least specifically WWE. I feel like New Japan Pro Wrestling is a lot better at long-term storytelling. You could almost compare it to a TV series like Cobra Kai a lot more so than WWE. I think they're a lot more successful at long-term things. To an extent. Um I could see, but I feel none of the characters in New Japan right now, to me, are as compelling as like Johnny, right? Like uh, if 10 years ago, someone told me they're going to do this Karate Kid reboot thing and I'm going to be siding with Johnny over Daniel, I feel like either, either A, I'm going to turn into a big prick in 10 years you know, to, <laughs> to, 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 to make that kind of a left turn or B, you're ribbing me. But uh, they did that. I mean, his character, it's something you could, a lot of people can relate to, someone down on their times, but really deep inside a good guy that had it rough. And uh, I think they, they told that story well. Right now with wrestling, you know, with Seth Rollins or Kofi Kingston, they, I mean, I you know, everyone was so behind Kofi, but they need to give him something. They need to, you know, show what his character is. I mean, other than just throwing pancakes, um, you know, give him something he can sink his teeth into because fans are into him. So take it, you know, take it and run with it. Well, it's like Kevin Owens that we talked about, right? right? I mean, it's like Kevin Owens, he goes uh, like sort of awkward baby face or heel, but they're not giving us motivation anymore. They're not even talking about why he does what he's doing, right. why he would make that turn. You know, it's like a little of that backstory makes someone a lot more sympathetic, a lot more interesting as a character. Yeah. And not only did they not play into the reasoning why KO switched from weird baby right. face to, to heel again, they didn't even give it time to breathe. Right. So they did this whole switch super fast and without reason. Maybe if they had planted a little bit of reason and extended it, it would be a lot better. And we would be talking about it in a good light, like Cobra Kai, like we're talking about right now with a great storytelling series. Another thing that I think Cobra Kai has done so well is the homages. We've kind of referenced them a little bit today and also in our review and recap last week. But so many after rewatching Karate Kid 3. I, I see it so much more now, all the references, including like the season opener. We've got um, Johnny and Kreese with that fight, you know, in the dojo. And then I think Johnny gets thrown into the mirror and it breaks. Same kind of thing happens in Karate Kid 3. They're sparring in the dojo and Silver is there and someone gets thrown into the glass yet again. So I just mm. think that's kind of all very epic um, and a lot of connections. I mean, we see the cars, we see the Medal of Honor, all these references. You talked about last week, Glenn, Tommy, the comment and how he winds up in a body bag, just like he yeah. said the line from the original movie. So many awesome homages, but not only to the original series, but to 80s movies and the 80s in general. I mean, we had that great dream sequence where Johnny was dreaming about Carmen and stuff and so many more. I'll, I'll let you guys talk about your favorite references from the show, but I think wrestling sometimes does that very well. I think the best wrestling matches can subtly or sometimes blatantly actually reference really important or famously historic past matches. Like I kind of saw a reference to Hulk and to uh, rock in the Aldis and Cody match from All In. Hmm. I kind of had that feel at the beginning. So I feel like good wrestling can do those homages just like Cobra Kai did successfully. Well, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I thought Hawk, what a way to make him the villain with stealing Miyagi's Medal of Honor. So people famously maybe don't even know the trivia of this. So uh, Pat Morita was nominated for uh, Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. 
1984 for that. And largely it's thought of on the back of that scene where Miyagi explains his history in the war, the wife that was in the internment camp that lost their child was, in childbirth. It was so great in that. Oh, it's an amazing scene, right? Like that's when I still watch it. I still am like, don't, don't tear up, don't tear up. And I'm like, God damn, I'm going to start crying yeah. again. Uh, America's a horrible country. We've done terrible things to our own citizens. Thank you, Mr. Miyagi, for showing us the way. Um, <laughs> but I think that, uh, you know, the producers actually want to cut that scene out of the original film because that slowed down the pacing. That scene is pivotal uh, to really understanding the character of Mr. Miyagi and all he's been through. So I think to have Hawk steal that medal, oh my God, what a way to get heat on Hawk. Hawk had such extreme heat, I feel like, throughout the entire series. I mean, what a 180 character change. Because especially in that episode in the middle of season two, we see the flashback of him crying and then he's laying on his back and it dissolves to current hawk slash eli and he's getting his back tattooed very strong very confident and when we go more into the finale we'll talk about how eli got a little bit of what was coming to him from an unexpected person uh we'll get into that in a little while but yeah hawk is someone that you just love to hate but you could still turn him back as raj said last week yeah yeah he's got that backstory by the way miyagi doesn't think that america was a bad country or anything we just gotta make that clear <laughs> he, 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 he just felt like they, they, they were stupid things that the you know that was <laughs> just we're not saying anything bad about america no yeah. I, think, I think it's not a controversial stance raj just in their world war ii the united right. states bad things were done back then citizens poorly yes yes bad things were done so, back then. so miyagi was a part of the 442nd and we find that out, obviously, in the original movie series, but they reference it again. Robbie was reading about that. He has a book, and it said right. 442nd on his bed, as well as the history of Okinawa, which also Daniel was reading back in the original series, too. Another reference that I enjoyed, because I, I kind of really delved into, since last time we talked, the references uh, that were mentioned more so. and It really enriches my experience having read about the references and rewatched a lot of the stuff. It, it makes Cobra Kai even better. And Robbie, I, I bet the scene went something like this. This, this book's really good. <laughs> I can't believe you hate him. If, if people listening won't get it, but if you're watching the video, you'll see just, my Robbie impression. He's bordering on AJ Styles' hair at this point. Oh my God, yeah, I could see that. A little oh, bit longer. That's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got this weird sort of Jonathan Brandis quality, which I like. You know, uh, Roger, you remember Jonathan Brandis, right? You're no. old enough. He was in uh, Ladybugs. He was in Sequest, DSV. Uh, he took his own life uh, in the late 90s, but he was a child actor that was very, very popular in the early 90s. Kids, I don't remember him. Yeah, he was, uh, he was in Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield. You want to talk uh -huh. about watching an awkward film that is aged poorly. I just uh, does Robbie have any lines that are more than two sentences? It's like a sentence a smirk, sentence smirk. Uh, I don't think he, I don't yeah. think he can do more than one sentence. But that's yeah. Uh, speaking of other films, I didn't catch this homage till the second time through, but I'm pretty sure it was intentional. When Johnny's filling out his dating profile and talking about what he's into, and he says cavemen, and then he follows it up with saying uh, Geico. The Geico cavemen for the commercial, but I'm also thinking that's a double meaning that he's referencing uh, the movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield, where William Zabka played the bad guy Chaz and famously shows up at the Halloween party in the caveman outfit. Huh. That's so I like funny. That, I like that they're tying in the Zabka verse to all these other movies William Zabka's done. I, I've Let's been, see if uh, there's any uh, European vacation references. Oh my God. He had a little cameo in there. I love that. European vacation. Uh, <laughs> but no, I've been tweeting at the creators, like just one of the guys. It's one of my favorite films of all time, up there with the Karate Kid. And William Zabka famously played Greg Toll in the villain in just one of the guys as well. And uh, in fact, just one of the guys had the little Karate Kid reference in it. So uh, yeah, I love when they do the other little nods to his other roles. Speaking of which, not to digress, but did you know William Zabka did another movie with Martin Cove? uh called shoot fighter in the early 90s where zabka plays a dojo owner down on his luck who has to enter these underground blood sport type fights and martin cove is like the overseeing boss of all of these i didn't know zabka had any work after karate kid part two so no <laughs> oh no Zabka did a lot of stuff but he did a lot of direct videos marshall's you know he's nominated for an oscar for a short film he did i mean like he's wow. actually had a big wow. career behind the scenes wow that's crazy. I didn't know that. Great facts, Glenn. Yeah, no, um, how I bet your mother brought him back to acting. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. And mm -hmm. another cool reference that I liked, um, you know, you mentioned little like 
tiny details like when Johnny was filling out his dating profile another funny scene with Johnny where he's just discovering the internet I love that montage <laughs> by the way because that is another homage to the 80s great great scene uh because he, he's 90s, looking up all right? kind, he's looking up all these like 80s things he loves like <laughs> like like music videos like right. random movies and one thing he watches is a chuck norris film and there's this big rumor that's actually apparently not true that chuck norris you know turned down the role of crease so it's not true but they still showed a chuck norris clip in that whole scene where johnny's just discovering the internet i thought that was right. kind of funny I, I read I about it. that I love that one of the first things he types is hot babes because I think any guy in their you know back back when they were in their teens or early twenties when they first got on the internet that was probably one of the first things they, they yep. searched. But um, yeah, uh, you know with William Zabka, I thought uh, in the first season it, he seemed a little rusty the first half, like uh, he didn't seem completely believable, but it, because of the nostalgia factor and everything, it still worked. Whereas this season, I thought he was completely in his character the whole way through. Like, I thought his performance was a lot better uh, as an actor and in, in his character this season than last. I could actually agree with you on that for sure. I thought it was really multidimensional this this season, the second time around. Obviously, that comes with getting back into it, getting comfortable with the people you're working with and just the setting, the environment, the script. So I think, yeah, the performance definitely was better. And uh, I know I don't want to keep going on about references, but I do want to say one last reference that directly relates to wrestling because, of course, we are talking Cobra Kai, but we still want to relate it back to wrestling because I think wrestling and pop culture, as Glenn said last week, they go hand in hand and kind of are tied together and are woven around each other. So one, my last reference that I picked up on, and I kind of read about this a little bit. So there's pictures on Daniel's wall of all these old senseis and, you know, people from the Miyagi family. And there's one picture that's the actual real, real Miyagi. And uh, I'm just looking at my notes so I get the names exactly right. So Shoujun Miyagi is one of the pictures on Daniel's wall. And he's actually he's actually the founder of Gojuru. Gojuru is an Okinawan st style of karate, and it actually means hard, soft style. And all that's really interesting, that's great karate history, but I actually interviewed a wrestler who was trained in that exact style of karate, and it is Punishment Martinez, who is now oh. known as Damien Priest. And he actually was trained by his father. They owned a karate school, but they had to sell it when they moved, so then he decided to pursue professional wrestling. How cool is that? Maybe uh, Mr. Miyagi could have actually been a professional wrestler if things didn't work out with his bonsai store. Wow. You know, later in life, but he would have never done that. But still, cool. cool connection there. Martinez, he was actually, um, in my interview with him, he told me he was a two-time national champion in full contact fighting in New York. So that's pretty neat. I thought that was an interesting tidbit. Look out for him in NXT. Hopefully, I think the name change is not that great. I didn't like Punishment Martinez, but just Punishment would have worked. I'm not really a big fan of Damian Priest. But. Damian Priest, I think, there's... I think if it's done right, there's kind of a cool, uh, it's got, it kind of reminds me of Alistair Black. It takes a, a little bit to get used to it, but when you did, you know, when he was Tommy End and Alistair Black, it took me a little bit to get used to it, but once I did, I, I really liked it. And Damian Priest is growing on me. It's not, it's not a babyface name. It's not something you could chant, but it, it you know, you could see that having that dark, darkish aspect without being way over the top. You know what I mean? It, it just seems like, like a, a direct reference to the exorcist because the priest in the exorcist is named damien oh. that's, that's all i think about when i hear damien priest is the priest damien from the exorcist but who actually is like the hero basically of the movie so i think that's so, kind of interesting someone brought up to me with baron corbin that on the periodic table that baron and carbon are right next to each other and so <laughs> that is funny that, so that's <laughs> probably where someone might have gotten that <laughs> i would love to be in these meetings do you think the wwe has like one person now who oversees this we, we, we get we get a lot of feedback about uh get the names insight. well we get a lot of insight now stories are broken in the wwe i've never heard a lot of stories from the naming department and how this works <laughs> speaking of which uh both of you and we'll talk offline but we got a couple interviews with recently released uh, wwe talent so <laughs> yeah, any business yeah questions like that you know yeah. let me know and we'll we'll make sure to ask those but uh usually what they do is they have the wrestlers come up with like a list of names and then they pick from those like Dan daniel brian brian famously uh one of the names he suggested was uh, buddy peacock for his character <laughs> <laughs> but uh 
and then Brian, you know, Daniel Bryan was another, and the, you know, obviously that won out, but yeah, usually it's the wrestlers coming up. Yeah. Uh, Damien Priest sounds like the character in the story. That's the CEO of an evil corporation who turns out to be a vampire. You know? <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of wrestling, we did get the cameo in episode two, New Cobra Kai students. Apparently, they don't watch current wrestling in the Valley because the kid's wearing one shirt that says WrestleMania, the other shirt that's the Ultimate Warrior uh, symbol, and that's it. And how, how cool are those shirts? It's like the old school shirts are way cooler than if they were wearing like a, a burn it down shirt. <laughs> you know? Not uh, as cool. I'm... No, it's not as cool. Oh, I love Seth there. Rollins, but yeah, I'm a hugger. Yeah, I, mean, just, right. <laughs> I mean, they would get kicked out by crease for that. Right. You but like yeah. hugs? No mercy. Get out of here. Hey, I, lo I love the, re the wrestling reference, though. Gotta love it. The old, that old school WrestleMania shirt. I want that. I'm sure you can find them. That's what it looks like one yeah, of those fake it's ones. It's too easy to find. They now. sell at Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, all the Rosita stuff really just reminds me of PWG. Obviously, old PWG because oh, yeah. they're not running out of Rosita anymore. But every time, and this is just a because I I haven't watched the Karate Kid in years. So growing up, I never thought about Rosita. But now rewatching it now with such a wrestling focused mind, I'm like, oh my god, PWG. That's all I can think about. How far away is PWG from <laughs> Cooper Kai? Anytime I hear Rosita, I think of Karate Kid. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've <laughs> ever been there, but I mean, that's really accurate. You drive around, there are all those apartment complexes that all look roughly the same, hundreds of them down there. Um, you know, so like broken up by CVSs and Del Tacos. Like it's very, <laughs> uh, very much as depicted in the movie. Not the nicest part of Southern California. And that, that, uh, uh, the South South Seas is that what the apartment complex that Daniel used to live in that uh, Johnny lives in now, uh, whatever that place is, it's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, although it's, it's it's not supposed to be the exact same one that Johnny's in. It's the one that's similar. Because remember the beginning of Karate Kid Part Three, they were tearing down the one Daniel was in um, for something, which killed my theory. Because I have a theory rewatching the original Karate Kid that Mr. Miyagi secretly owns that building. Because we learned that he's wealthy, he's got the palatial estate. Oh. It almost makes sense that he's doing his own handyman work, but he doesn't want anyone to know that he owns it because they're going to just complain ah. to him even more. You know, how could he afford all that? I mean, you look at the Miyagi know. estate, you look at all those cars. That uh, seemed like a maintenance man's salary wouldn't pay for all that. Yeah, he's got money. Although there was, if you look in the first one, isn't there an oil pump on his property? or near his property. People have speculated he had money from that, but I love that they recreated that. So that's not a real location. They had to rebuild that entire thing mm -hmm. for uh, Cobra Kai season two. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was the part that got off to a bit of a rocky start. And it was storyline-wise it was supposed to with Daniel reopening Miyagi-Do, attracting students. That was the part where I was like, well, they're really spending a lot of time on how is Daniel going to attract these students? What's right. he going to do? Yeah, that's exactly my point when I was saying like, I, I wasn't quite as gripped at that point you know in the first few episodes as i was with the first uh season yes and i'm bummed I mean, we didn't get to see the ice thing again at their uh, showcase <laughs> you know valley fest i love the showcase scene because i mean it just showed you how much cooler cobra kai was coming <laughs> off than miyagi do and i mean that's just natural obviously people were gravitating towards cobra kai and they're the more flashier more fun looking dojo for sure but another cool thing is the dueling set of commercials when daniel's trying to attract people to his dojo one it's free of course no wonder his wife's not happy just doing it for free neglecting the family business no wonder she's so upset with them but um i think that his commercial really subtly was really well done i love the whole snake in the grass thing that got the cobra kai kids mad to do the dueling presentation at the event but I also didn't know, but I read this and I rewatched the scene and I found out that I think it's, I think it is a tree. So when Johnny made his dueling commercial, he kicks a bonsai tree at the end. <laughs> I didn't know it was a tree. I just thought he was kicking something random, but apparently Johnny is kicking at the end of his commercial, a bonsai tree, kind of a <laughs> wow. subtle dig at Daniel. Pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. It, it's interesting. Uh, that balance that Johnny talks about later in the season, how to still be badass but have honor. Um, I think that's a very interesting idea and it really sets up where things can go next season. You know, that's kind of more realistic with today's environment. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's, that's kind of what people really think of, uh, with martial arts in a lot of ways is, you know, being able to be tough and defend yourself. Like when people go to, jujitsu classes and stuff like that it's to be it's not to be i don't know overly peaceful but it's to be uh 
able to defend yourself, but still be a fighter and, and, and you can take care of business when you need to. Now, the creators have made this comparison saying that in the Valley, uh, in Southern California Valley, the uh, karate is like football is in Texas. How's the dojo scene where each of you live? I think there are like three or four dojos in my small town north of San Francisco. And I know this because I see people on Facebook post about them all the time. How is it where you are in Colorado, Rosh? Uh, you see a lot of MMA. You see a lot mm -hmm. of like jujitsu, um, you know, MMA schools taken over as opposed to karate. You don't see much karate as much anymore. It's, uh, you know, mostly Aikido, jujitsu, things like that. Kelsey? I feel like there's more boxing schools around here than karate schools. That's the funny thing. I, I, but maybe I'm just not looking out for karate schools, but I don't recall in my driving around and I drive all the time and New Orleans really is a small place. I don't remember seeing very many to be honest with you. So I'm, I'm not really sure. I don't think this scene's very heavy here, but what I want to ask you guys is if you were in the Karate Kid universe in the Cobra Kai universe, which dojo would you prefer to train at? Miyagi-Do or Cobra Kai? Now take into account the philosophies and everything like that. And uh, what, what do you think, Raj? <laughs> um honestly with cobra kai where it was towards the end of the second season where johnny kind of saw the light <laughs> a little bit uh that seemed a lot more fun i guess <laughs> i don't know um yeah i probably have to say that actually yeah see i think miyagi do uh it's interesting i like that they're pitching it more sort of a lifestyle balance and meditation exercise i just don't think it would be as intense although it does seem like they're always doing yard work of some sort <laughs> right uh, or some sort of house chores you know, uh, it's like I can do those on my own, guys. It would be, you know, it would be interesting to see someone go through that, go through that Miyagi <laughs> training and see how good you know, they are with them. Did, did you uh, did you ever watch Nathan for you, Raj? No. So he, tra he tries, he has business ideas that the whole episodes are centered around. And he has one that's called The Movement. And it's about how like moving things is going to like get you in shape. And he tries to do this exercise course around moving uh, moving uh, people's houses and storage units and whatnot. Uh, that's what it reminds me of, you know? And, and that probably does. Because you look at guys that grew up on the farm, like Brock Lesnar or, uh, you know, an MMA Matt Hughes. And just how naturally strong they are from the, you know, moving hay and whatever it is that they're moving around as, you know, as a youngster. But, you know, they just got that insane power. No, but that seems like something an aspiring BuzzFeed writer or podcaster maybe should do is yeah. the idea of like, I tried to do the Miyagi-Do training system for 30 right. days and this is what yeah. it taught me. Yeah, just painting the fence over and over and, and washing the car. Floors, yeah, you know, do that. Like That would be a, I mean, that would Kelsey, be I see, wheel, I see wheels turning. Of views on YouTube. I see wheels turning in Kelsey's head here. <laughs> because I honestly think if I painted a fence and sanded the car, like the floor and waxed the car, I honestly don't think I would be any good at Well, karate. that's why you need 30 days. It, it would hurt your wrist too, like the way they do it. Gosh, yes. You know, it's a lot of wrist flicking. I am Dimitri. That's who I'd be, but, but less annoying, I hope. I hope. Oh, Dimitri, yeah. like, I never want to see a kid get beat up, but, you know. Except for him. Except for him. Uh, no, they, Hawk. Yeah, no, they did a good job with Dimitri, right? And I think that they built it. They made it seem like he had no chance. And then out, yeah. of, out of nowhere, you know, he uh, pulled out a victory at, yeah. uh, in the final battle. Yeah, I could not stand him for a while but i was popping at the end of the show when he got that that little win <laughs> yeah i cheered i gotta say i loved when he got his revenge because like nerds rule yeah. but let's talk before we get into the finale because i feel like that was yeah. obviously the best part of the season and that's what a finale really is supposed to be but glenn any other thoughts of the rest of the season um i thought stingray could have been a very polarizing character uh didn't real wasn't really feeling him at first um but i think that there is something sort of weirdly 80s about it and maybe Who's stingray chubbs uh raymond uh, the, yeah yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. did not realize um he was the guy if you saw i tanya who played jeff galuli in i tanya um, I was like, where have I seen that guy before? Oh. Um, I guess that's where the creators of Cobra Kai saw him and decided to cast him in this role. But living where I do, uh, it's sort of a half hick, half hippie town. I've, you know, grew up around a lot of guys that were too old to be hanging out with high school kids, still hanging out with high school kids. So <laughs> I think that part of that is sort of a quintessential part of my uh, childhood that I remember experiencing. And I think that they made the character a little like you warmed up to him by the end of the season. Yeah. 
he was 80s over the top like uh you know uh comedy uh comic relief but it worked i i, I liked him I'm, I'm with you but I, I liked him at first in that home depot then he was starting to get on my nerves but by the end uh, you know I, I liked that character so i agree the day he yeah. got that stingray, that's the day I liked him. <laughs> he flipped the script. And then he literally looked like he broke kids' legs in the finale. Like, I couldn't believe I was like, way to go, stingray, way to go. I like the the two nerdy kids, too. I like those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I thought uh, they were really good. But yeah. The yeah. ones that were carried out by the, 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 little ones, the security yeah. at the end. No, I thought that was good. And I think... Uh, I would have liked to see them give Aisha a little something more to do. She's gotten in a lot better shape between seasons. And I think that her character. Aisha, Sam's, Sam's best friend or old best friend. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I think uh, she took a backseat with Tori joining Cobra Kai. But no, I mean, I like all the characters. In this. You know what I love? They listen to the fans more than the WWE does. Because we only saw Daniel's son in one scene at the beginning and one scene at the end. And they shipped him off to summer camp the rest of the show. Thank God. <laughs> I, I the worst part of season one. I don't like him very much. Yeah, no, that no kid one sucks. Does. That kid sucks. I mean, they're so focused on Sam and like her, like doing the right thing and being a good person. Hard on her, but I guess the son can do whatever he wants. He could be as rude as possible. He could order expensive electronics and not get in trouble. What is wrong? Why do they not care? But I you know what, though, huh. kids are more likely to end up like him than Sam. That's true, you know, in, and that's in sad. This day and age, yeah. Yes. I amend my list. Daniel's son, Adam's the list of children I'd like to see get beat up. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe season three. Let's hope maybe, that Chris yeah. just kicks the crap out of him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought Sam was good. I mean, look, Sam is kind of a plain vanilla character, similar to Robbie, right? I mean, they didn't give her much of an arc. I well, think Robbie, Miguel... Robbie kind of changed. Like he he started off dark, became overly goody two shoes, and then by the end, you know, you had the the shift. Yeah, the gray. Um, but I but think yeah, that Sam, I yeah. think, is having internal conflict, though. I mean, we saw it with the kiss to Miguel. Yes, she was drunk, but I think there's something internally going on with her. She's trying to find herself. She doesn't have many friends. I mean, yes, she still has Moon, but like her life's in turmoil. It's upside down. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a change in season three in her because she's obviously torn up. And we'll talk more about the finale in a second, but I still want to hear you guys' favorite scenes yeah. before the finale. But I think we're going to see more from Sam. So give her time, I think. But Glenn, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Uh, so, see, I think Miguel is such a good character, um, just so well-written, so well-rounded, so relatable, reminds me of a lot of kids I know. Um, you know, he's not one particular archetype. And I think that to pair him with someone like Samantha, uh, it just seems weird to me, the part that was... But, you know, I remember being a teenager. I remember how you take things that that um, he was still obsessed about this, conflicted about this, where it's like, you guys have been broken up for six months, you know, and he was still, like, obsessed with her. And, like, happens, making man. cringy uh, Flash animations. I had hey, I get it. ex-girlfriends that were obsessed with me afterwards. <laughs> Raj, the teenage year. <laughs> when Raj retires and writes his memoirs, you know? Uh, no, was, I think... It was tough for them. Yeah, hey, uh, but no, I think that um, I like the roller rink stuff. I, I think it's interesting um, for them to show kids going out to things. I mean, because I wonder all the time, we have a roller rink near us. And I'm like, how in the hell does that stay in business? Yeah. So I think to you know show that golf and stuff is still popular, that the roller rink is still a popular destination. I like that they're trying to just show that it's not just, oh, you kids on your iPhones these days, you know? I love the golf and stuff callback that was one of my favorite parts i was like yes it's still there i was yeah. wondering if they were going to show it and it it was great i knew it as soon as he's like you should take her to where i took all my babes right. wonderful and they played that same song from the first movie yep. during it yeah and the music was really really good this season um i like that they bring back the tunes from the original movies right um, and, and was... give a little twist like cruel summer they brought oh. that back and uh twice in the episode the original and then the the remake of the song right. both worked really well in both instances in the same episode loved loved it yeah so real quick let's go through what happened in the the final episode yeah kelsey you want to okay so obviously sam's conflicted because the, the episode before the finale she kind of accidentally kisses miguel we don't know if it's a pure thing or because she was drunk or because she was upset with robbie and then she had the fight with tori in that episode as well Right. And so Sam is just in turmoil. Things are up in the air, up up in smoke. So we see the beginning of the finale. You know, she's at Johnny's house because Robbie doesn't want to take her home because Sam tell, tells him, I can't go home like this. So frantically, Sam's parents 
Daniel and his wife trying to find where she is. She's got an iPhone tracker. They find she's at Johnny's house. A little tiny fight ensues, but it's broken up yet again, as we never see them go all out. And then Robbie ends up staying with Johnny. Uh, well, that's why he was went to his dad, finally, because he decided to stay with him. So they all go to school, and Tori, who saw the kiss in the previous episode between Miguel and Sam, is like, she goes over the intercom and says... I'm coming for you, Samantha. I'm coming for you. And she exclaims, of course, she calls her a witch with a B. And um, basically they meet out in the hall and it doesn't just turn into a fight between the two girls, the two main girls, Tori and Sam. It turns into a fight between the two dojos. And that's what I think is the best fight scene of both seasons. I love that fight scene so much. It's so epic. But of course, at the very end, I thought Sam was going to be the one who goes over the railing and hit the stairs. I knew yeah. somebody was going to hit the stairs. I had a feeling you could feel the tension because right. like, they were they, they were showing they, angles with right. the rail. The, the way they were shooting it, you could tell like it was dangerous. And right. Something was going to happen. I really thought it was going to be Sam. And I thought like that would just be Daniel's downfall, like his mental downfall. And he would actually almost turn to the dark side completely. But no, it was Robbie and Miguel fighting. And Miguel has a moment where he remembers what Johnny was trying to teach him to know the difference between mercy and uh, injustice uh, and fairness. Yeah. So Miguel Honor. had a beat basically. Had right. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't continue. He held back. He showed mercy. Right. But Robbie took advantage of that. And this is what you were talking about, Raj, at the end of our conversation. Robbie showed a dark side and kept beating up Miguel. And not on purpose, but he caused him to go over the railing. Miguel hits basically his neck and tumbles down the railing, tumbles down the stairs, winds up in the hospital. Carmen's mad at Johnny. Carmen is Miguel's uh, mother, of course. And they had just kind of started dating him and Johnny, her and right, Johnny. Right, exactly. And so that relationship's gone. Johnny, basically, his his relationship with Miguel is probably going to be severed or, or tough. He doesn't know if Miguel is going to recover, and he really loved him like a son. Robbie, we don't even know where he is, where he went after he hurt Miguel. Uh, Daniel and Johnny are not getting along. And like you just referenced, Carmen and Johnny are probably no more because she doesn't ever want to see him again. So Johnny's in a really dark place. And before we analyze the episode itself, you guys can give your thoughts. And I real quick, and right at the end, Johnny's going back to the, the dojo and he sees that Kreese came back. Kreese was basically exiled a couple of episodes earlier. And he sees Kreese tra training the students. The students have turned on Johnny because he taught them to show mercy. Miguel had shown mercy and he ended up, you know, probably paralyzed. Who knows what's going to happen to him? And uh, so they've turned on him. So Johnny is basically a man without a country now. He's got no dojo anymore. Kreese took that over. And we're kind of left at the end of the season with Johnny by himself. Kreese is running the Cobra Kai's. Daniel, you know, we'll, we'll see where his head is at because his student was the one that didn't show mercy and caused a guy to, you know, be seriously injured. And his wife doesn't want him to talk about karate anymore. So who knows where he's going to go from here. He obviously probably can't be involved with Miyagi-Do if he wants to remain in his relationship with his wife and have a good relationship with her. But also, you know, you, you mentioned Johnny Raj, and uh, he's in a very dark place right now, throws his phone away. We see that Ali actually accepted his friend request on Facebook, so we are thinking we're going to get an Ali tease. But do you think, after Johnny sees Kreese taking over Cobra Kai, eventually you said that they might team up him and Daniel. But what I'm thinking might happen first, and I want to know what you think. Do you think he's going to actually go down a dark path again? Because he's all alone. He's basically in a really bad part of his life. Is he going to go down a dark path and a villainous path before he finds the light again and maybe works with Daniel against Kreese? What do you think? I don't think he goes down a dark path again. I think he realizes that he what he was doing was wrong, and these kids you know, have, have turned this dark path, whereas Miguel was right. And, um, and because, you, you know, I, th I think he sees Miguel as, as the model for how the students should be. And uh, I, yeah, I think, um, I think Allie, the call was, I don't know if it was because of the Facebook request that was done earlier in the season, or if it's because she found out that, you know, Glenn had floated that theory about Tori being her daughter. Maybe she found out that Tori had joined the Cobra Kai's and that's what that call was about. Um, so I think, I think I could see something there as far as Tori being the daughter, she comes in and things start getting messy with Johnny, you know, Johnny, I see Johnny and Daniel kind of getting together 
and then Allie coming in later in the season and it causing complications. Glenn, your thoughts? I think so. I've thought about this Allie and Tori thing. If you go back to the original film, Allie's family had money, uh, clearly. So I think there's a disconnect with her and Tori. But what's interesting but is Johnny the last two. Well, yes, but the difference though with Allie, remember Allie uh, Schweiber, the last name, I'm thinking Allie's maybe the stepmom. Allie's maybe the stepmom who's been away, who doesn't want to deal with the kid, uh, perhaps. But I love the swerve, though, that we see season one. Uh, Johnny's bummed out, gets the request from Allie, uh, or Allie tracks him down, starts talking to him. He thinks, oh, hey, it's go time. Going to make things happen. Get a little blue chew. Plug for the sponsor. Uh, no, and uh, shows up there, and then Allie just wants to yell at him because Tori's my stepdaughter. How dare you right. get her that's into a, all that's this That's a good trouble. way to do the reveal. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that would be something that would sandbag people pretty well. I think uh, getting Robbie and Johnny back together, though, would also be a good way to kick off the season. Uh, Johnny's got to find Robbie, right? Because he still doesn't stop caring about him, um, you know, because he's in trouble and he's on the run. I think there's a lot of different ways it can go. I like keeping Robbie on the dark side, like have Robbie just being like, because uh, I, I feel like Robbie and Miguel, they're the two strongest, uh, you know, the two strongest kid characters is Sam and Tori now. Uh, you almost got to keep them on opposite sides, uh, one way or the other. And I think uh, Daniel brings Miguel in and Robbie's on the, you know, on the outskirts. And, and because he feels shunned, almost like chosen in Karate Kid Part 2, after he he doesn't go out to help Daniel save that kid in the, you know, in the storm. And then he, you know, he you know, tries to kill, kill Daniel's girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> oh, but uh, I could see that happening with Robbie. He feels shunned and goes off and becomes a star Cobra Kai and gets even more ruthless. Well, there is a tease. If you look when Johnny is watching YouTube videos, one of the sidebar recommended videos on there is showing wheelchair self-defense in the karate videos. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are speculating that uh, Miguel will live and survive, but perhaps be in a wheelchair and uh, will have to learn to adapt to that new aspect of his life. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of directions they can go and I don't think they're they're killing Miguel. I think that would be a huge no, mistake. No. Yeah, I don't think they're killing him, but I, it's going to be interesting because he's not probably going to bounce back and be positive. He's probably going to say, I showed mercy and it backfired. He might have a little bit of a darkness in him at the beginning, but I'm sure it won't last long because I do think he's the strongest baby face overall. I and really, I think, really do. So, yeah. but I think there will have to be some darkness there because he's got to struggle if he is in a wheelchair with what happened to him. I think by within a few episodes, he'll be back to where he was. I think really? he'll probably start off in a wheelchair and it's his rehab and, you know, and maybe it's a whole new uh, uh, training system that Daniel comes up with to get him back to, you know, where he was. And, and Daniel helps him get back to, you know, being uh, back to getting better. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's going to be very exciting. But season one or season two definitely ended on, yeah, quite the Empire Strikes Back ending. We get that amazing fight scene and then just everything is in disarray. Everyone is down. (laughs) No, I mean, with the exception of Kreese, right? So evil is risen and in control. But all the good guys, all the gray area guys are all down on their luck. Yes. Yeah, Miguel absolutely. Wasn't in carbonite, you know, just waiting <laughs> to be rescued. Yeah, no, it was a, uh, yeah, I mean, kind of like the last season too, right? Like the Cobra Kai's one, and and uh, it wasn't as dark as this season, <laughs> you know how it ended off. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it just leaves it wide open for where they can go. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the next season. We got to wait another year. I almost wish that they didn't have them all released at the same time because. You know, I ended up watching them all in two days. <laughs> well, like I got to wait a, a year for another 10. So also in the news of this renewal, YouTube is changing some of the premium model. They're still going to window original series exclusive to YouTube premium subscribers. But starting this summer, they're going to make uh, Cobra Kai seasons one and two available with ads on YouTube. And to your, to your point, they're going to do a binge window of season one. But for season two, they are going to release those weekly starting this fall to uh, non-YouTube premium subscribers. So they're experimenting with the model a little bit. I like when they drop it all at once, though. I think the binge model helps um, sort of pave over any of the lesser areas of a season, right? Because you're just on to the next one. I mean, there's nothing like binging. It's my favorite thing in the world. If you find a good enough show, there's nothing like it. It's just in. It's like being 
enveloped in a great story. It's like in a cocoon with something. Like I was so into Cobra Kai when I watched the first two seasons back to back in like two days. I dreamt about it. I was yeah. like, I was dreaming about it. And like, I wouldn't have had that reaction had I watched it week by week. It wouldn't have been as intensive and it wouldn't as have been so ingrained in my mind. And I kind of like that experience. And I feel like if the show is good, there's nothing wrong with the binge format. If it's bad, I feel like, eh, then you're you're more than likely to just give up. Yeah, the only thing with the um, the binging aspect, and look, I, I still love it. I mean, I, you know, I, I went, again, I went through the whole season in two or three days. But the one thing when you release it one at a time is you have time to digest it. You just go online, look on Twitter. It's that one individual episode that everyone's talking about. Uh, you, you know, you hear different theories and different opinions on just that one episode. Whereas when it's binge, there's like, a kind of a whole season. It's not like one particular episode is being talked about. It's kind of just a general whole season. Whereas when it's one at a time, you can really get into that one, one episode, read different recaps and reviews, see what you missed. And you, I, I guess you just get more information and more out of that one, Sometimes. any singular episode than, um, it's tough to do though. I mean, like Better Call Saul, I use as the example where it's like, I watch that, I love it. I go online, I read the recaps after, I read the threads on the message boards to see what's out there, I see what people say on Twitter. I listen to the Big uh, Better Call Saul Insider podcast where I then listen to two hours of people talking about the one hour episode I just watched, <laughs> talking to the cast and creators, you know, yeah. people, woman behind it. Um, I don't know if I can handle that for more than one show a year. I, I like actually binging Better Call Saul. I think it's easier to absorb everything. And also, it's funny, Lost is another show. I didn't watch it live. So yeah. Lost, I can imagine all the speculation, all the waiting. Uh, I binged Lost, and it was amazing. I still read about it, but I waited to the end of hmm. this, the whole series to read about it. Got books about it. I still think you can research, but you're right, Raj. There is something about going online and talking about one episode and really speculating what does it mean? what's going to happen next week there's a kind of oh we want to see it we want it to be next week it's it's a very kind of uh, anticipation model where it's just a week away but it still feels so far away whereas once you binge it it's really far away right and, and you know one episode at a time you got 10 weeks where you're speculating and you're into it as opposed to three days or whatever right. however long it takes but you know again i love the binging model too there it's just different right <laughs> So favorite scenes from the episode, Glenn? Oh, from the last episode? I mean, that fight scene, that 10-minute Or what about take. the whole, whole season? What, what yes, was the whole thing? season. It's from the episode and the season. I, I I like some of the cringe comedy. I like when they show Johnny out of touch with reality. I like seeing that reality of just, you know, him, the gender what? It's this prank call. Uh, you know, I mean, I just, I. it's funny because there are people out there that have, they're not as woke, that are not as progressed to where sort of society is at. And I like a lot of the humor they ring out of that with uh, the Johnny Lawrence character. Um, you know, I liked Crease. I liked that they made you really care about him for part of an episode, at least, that you were like, oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe he's not this mustache twirling villain. Um, so I thought that was really good. Um, I actually, I thought, not Kelsey, I don't know what you thought of this not being a Game of Thrones watcher. I thought the references to Game of Thrones where I was like, why are you guys shoehorning this all in here? Not everyone gets this. I don't know either, but as someone who hasn't watched it, it still made sense. I mean, I can understand sure. from what ended up infer. happening. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's like, why do they want to plug Game of Thrones so much? <laughs> yeah, it kind it's of dates like it though too. Show. It's like a movie. Well, so it's it also, not a competition. Well, it also dates it though, right? Because I think that something isn't timeless when you're like specifically referencing the time period it's in. And again, I think if this had taken place 10 years earlier, it would make a lot more sense character motivation wise in the age. Right. That like at. you could watch this 10 years from now and it still stands still, but that reference kind of uh, takes you out of it. A little yeah. Bit. They, they won't. Yeah. Right. I, I get what you're saying. Um, but I like the stuff with the kids. I think it's a tough balancing act, right? Because I, I would watch a show that was literally just about Johnny and Johnny's in every scene. Um, strangely, I don't know how I would feel a show about Daniel if Daniel right. was in every scene. Yeah. I don't know if I could hang with that. Um, the kids, I like it. I think they're doing a better balance of what Degrassi, the next generation did when they brought the older characters on and the newer characters. Cobra Kai is doing like the better version of that and how they're balancing the stories. Um, but I think, remember, the show is called Cobra Kai. I think Johnny should be in at least half the scenes in the show i love degrassi i can't believe you just referenced that <laughs> that's oh, awesome yeah. i really loved that show 
Yeah, no, a uh, fan of the original, fan of the the reboot. In fact, I'm not going to Toronto for a Degrassi Palooza next month, uh, but I did go to a screening um, a year or two ago and got a great photo of me with uh, Joey Jeremiah and Snake, which was fantastic. Uh, oh, that's but yeah, incredible. But I think the balance is very similar to what they're doing to what Degrassi The Next Generation did for those seasons when they had the older characters in. And I'm hoping they don't ever transition this to just the newer kids because I think yeah. a lot of people right. will stop watching. I think so too. That's a perfect point there because the nostalgia factor, the old characters, I think they have a lot to play in the story and in people's desire to see the story unfold. Raj, what are your favorite scenes from the season and from the final episode? Um, one of my favorite scenes was when uh, Daniel, it, it, uh, Johnny is on the date with Miguel's mom and they go to that Mexican restaurant and Daniel's there with his wife and they're forced to basically sit with each other because it was so full. And I, I I love that whole scene and that whole the, that whole part. They got just wasted together, and I I just love that. Um, so that was probably my favorite of the whole series. The you know the last scene, the the very you know the very that kick off the off the balcony. You saw it coming, but when it happens, it's still kind of like oh geez, like are, are they killing him off? Like where were they going with this? So uh, a strong season. I thought it was a uh, it's a great show, and you know like kind of what you guys were talking about. Um, when you hear about a reboot and you, and you hear that their kids are going to be involved, you kind of think that it's going to be focused on the kids, but it really wasn't. And no. you know, Johnny and Daniel were the stars of the season and last season. They were the focal points. I find Johnny's character way more interesting than Daniel's on the show, but they're still both strong. And, um, and then, and then they make the kids entertaining too. So uh, big thumbs up. I uh, can't wait for season three. Me too. And I'm so glad they officially announced it just this past week, really yeah. pumped up and amped up for it. And I think my favorite scene was actually the cement mixer, how the really? kids had to get in it and to make it turn because it was visually just so, so visually striking and neat looking with it, the way they were filming from within the cement truck, looking kind of towards the opening, just seeing them struggle to push it and them actually work together and get it done. And although Crease was involved, you could see his like evilness working from the outside. It just all really worked really well. I liked that episode a lot. I liked when uh, Johnny paints his car black and they've got the, the ACDC song playing back in black. And <laughs> just, that was one of my favorite scenes too. And of course, in the final episode, really the fight scene, I think was probably the best fight scene in the whole series so far hopefully they can match it you guys were saying that season two is in a tough spot honestly season three is really in a tough spot you know i love return of the jedi but a lot of people think it's you know the least good out of the original star wars trilogy so hopefully people don't think of the third season of cobra kai that way but because i think it's got a lot to live up to whereas the second season had a lot to play with from the first season especially with crease just coming in who are they going to introduce how are they going to handle all this changing stuff there's stuff to work with but just hopefully it can follow up those first two great seasons no cobra kai ewoks <laughs> no, no. we don't great. want that they were the jar jar binks of the first three uh, that that Yub Nub song was kind of catchy, though. Um, <laughs> no. But no, I think uh, I think that uh, yeah, they've got a tall order going forward on this, and they keep talking about the creators keep saying, "Oh, we've got seasons four, five, six. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have that. to be a, a three season thing. Yeah, I was just thinking that when we were talking, you know, when yeah. we were talking about the the arcs and everything. Yeah, what there. season does Daniel's wife leave him going like you with Aww. this goddamn dojo? You know? <laughs> I mean, that is all he's talking about. I'd be annoyed if I was her too. I mean, all he keeps talking about is the dojo, is karate, is his old feud. No wonder she's so upset, but I feel really bad for her and for him too. I hope they stay together. And if she's upset with him and then Allie comes in, there's a lot of different ways you could go there. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, geez. You're right, Raj. Oh, geez. Place, but... <laughs> But, you know, Daniel was talking about Allie in this last season and uh, his feelings for her to his daughter and wouldn't go too into it. But it was reference, which makes yep. me think that it's it's going to be used later on. Yes. And he references uh, the girlfriend, uh, Judy, back in New Jersey. Right, from uh, the very first. From the very first. So you see someone actually. Seen. No, you, she is oh, actually. She's running to the car. You yeah, can see him say bye, Judy. Right. Yeah. You can hear it a little bit. Yeah. So, uh. I've seen that movie so many times. I think she's like in a red shirt and jean shorts. 
if I recall correctly. I think she's wearing a red shirt, yeah. Yeah, running towards the station wagon while they're taking off. You know what I never caught to the last few of the Karate Kid was that the keychain was Miyagi's dog tags. And I actually tried to freeze frame it in the first one, but you can't quite make out what exactly it says on it. Uh, but yeah, it's just little details, right? It's like you mm-hmm. don't notice until you really, really start paying attention to everything. Yeah. Uh, we went long here, guys. Yeah. We really did. <laughs> so any other closing thoughts, you guys? <laughs> No, uh, I think we uh, covered this to death. <laughs> Although I got to say, uh, what was up with them using a Peter Cetera or Chicago song that was not Glory of Love? Uh, and one of the episodes was guitar. called Glory of Love. Yeah. yeah. And it was never used. The song has yet to be used on that show. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe it's a rights it. thing. Or a rights thing, yeah. Or they're saving it. I, I really don't know. I hope. The fact that they could get another Chicago song. Well, Glory of Love is just Peter Cetera. It's not yeah. Chicago. So... Maybe he's being a prick and doesn't, I don't know. I would think they own the rights to it because it was on their soundtrack, but we'll see. Yeah, so stay tuned for season three, uh, coming 2020. Yeah, we'll eventually talk about that, I'm sure, whenever that comes up in 2020, I hope. That would be a fun discussion. But thank you guys for joining me to discuss Cobra Kai. Fascinating discussion. Great insights from the both of you and appreciate your time. Here's to 2020. So I want to thank Glenn and Raj for joining me. I had a lot of fun talking Cobra Kai. I'm so happy that they included me, and I think it was a fun conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, I know I enjoyed the series Cobra Kai, so I'd love to know you guys' thoughts. Tweet at me at SuperKickingIt. Let me know what you thought about Cobra Kai, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. And again, I know we didn't talk too much wrestling, just me and Paul, this week, but don't worry. Next week, it's jam-packed. Yep, we've got... uh... Well, we'll look back at Don Taku because obviously uh, by now most everybody knows what happened, uh, but we'll just put in our two cents on that. Best of Super Juniors getting underway. We will talk about it again, the two shows that we're attending here in the Midwest from Ring of Honor, War of the Worlds, and uh, Money in the Bank is uh, coming up as well. We'll look forward to that as well. Yep. Maybe we'll even fit in, not next week, but soon, a PWG Rewind Yeah, because I love doing those. Yeah, that's coming again soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much, guys, for listening or watching if you're checking us out on YouTube. We really appreciate it. We know your time is valuable, and we can't say enough how much it means that you take the time to spend that amount of time with us. Thanks so much. But that's it for us. That's the finish.